Support for this podcast comes from Social Talent. Social Talent is the training platform for hiring teams, giving you the knowledge and skills you need to find, hire and develop great talent. Designed for everyone involved in the hiring process, this market-leading platform provides training through a comprehensive library of video content delivered by the world's best hiring experts. Trusted by the likes of IBM, Intel and Siemens, Social Talent has trained over 80,000 people across 100 countries and 1,000 organisations. Last year alone, they enabled a million hires worldwide. Find out more at www.socialtalent.com. That's www.socialtalent.com. There's been more of scientific discovery, more of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine than in all the ages of history. Hi everyone, this is Matt Alder. Welcome to episode 246 of the Recruiting Future podcast. Recruiting technology, data analytics and employer branding are all topics that we cover regularly on this podcast. However, we don't always talk about the strategic thinking that's needed to make all three elements work together to solve recruiting challenges. My guest this week is James Edwards, Digital Attraction Manager at Mitchells & Butlers, one of the largest operators of restaurants, pubs and bars in the UK. Mitchells & Butlers have been working on several interrelated projects using technology, creativity and data to solve recruiting challenges. There are lots of valuable insights and learnings in this interview, so keep listening. Hi, James, and welcome to the podcast. Hi, Matt. An absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Could you just introduce yourself and tell us what you do? Uh, yeah, so I'm James. I work for Michelin Butlers. So we own uh, and run uh, around 1,600 pubs, restaurants and bars. Uh, so that's across Milan Carter, Orbar One, Toby Carvery, just to kind of name a few. Uh, I am the digital attraction manager for for uh, Mitchell Butlers. So that encompasses uh, looking after the HR tech, analytics, and kind of everything digital in the recruitment space. So that's kind of everything I do. Fantastic stuff. So I'm kind of presuming with an organisation like yours, you've got more than a few recruiting challenges. Tell us a little bit more about the sort of the challenges that that you, that you face. So I'd probably say there are probably a handful of challenges. Uh, first of all, we've got the scale of the business. So we hire give or take about 30,000 people a year. Uh, that's across um, those 1,600 businesses across 13 brands. So all of those brands have their own kind of little niches and their own little quirks uh, to recruit for. Uh, then we've got all the various locations, which is a different factor. So recruiting in London opposed to Edinburgh is a very different game. Um, and then just trying to engage all of those managers as a lot of our recruitment is decentralized. So that's kind of some of our main internal challenges. And then you then uh, the other challenges are the external market, the industry, uh, all of those kind of good things which are always changing. Um, 
yeah, so they're kind of our main challenges within kind of Mitchell and Butler's at this time, but it's forever changing. So next year, uh, we will have to like look at what our external market factors are, etc. So yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I can imagine it seems to be an ever changing dynamic dynamic in terms of that. Now, I know that you've recently sort of or in the last sort of year or so undertaken a few initiatives to, I don't know whether it's to, to, to transform your talent attraction or to, to kind of really address these challenges. Challenges. Give us a brief overview of the things that, that, that you've been working on. So uh, we've been working on, I would say, three main themes within our team to kind of just kind of address some of those challenges. So first, uh, the first project I was actually brought into Mitchell and Butler's to manage and kind of implement into the business. And that was moving from a legacy ATS to kind of an, a new ATS, which was more fit for the business. So that was kind of the first project. And that was very much about we needed just to get the basics right and, you know, the managers engaged. So that was kind of the foundations. The next phase um, we looked into was around kind of workforce planning and analytics. So that was to inform us um, how we were performing uh, in certain areas, but also the pipelines internally, externally. Uh, and then the last part of that is just tying it all up in regards to how we look from a external point of view. So uh, I haven't been leading it, but um, the team have been working on a big EVB project, which kind of runs through everything we do. But uh, to kind of convey that to our audience, we've landed uh, a careers website very recently and also re uh, redone all our adverts so it matches up with our tone of voice so they're kind of the big things which we've kind of done over the past few years which kind of just help to address some of those challenges now i i know that they're all initiatives other uh, talent acquisition teams are probably at various stages of undertaking at the moment so it would be good to sort of dive into them a bit deeper to find out a bit more about what you did and and, and what you learned so you sort of mentioned that the first stage was the the ACS to sort of really get your sort of recruiting basics in in, in place tell us a bit more about what you did um, and and what you learned from doing it so the ATS transition was quite a big transition we we looked at we first of all went out to shortlist and we with the shortlist we kind of drew up a criteria of kind of what we wanted uh we had a legacy ATS which was okay it was fit for purpose for some parts of the business but not all um as I said kind of earlier uh, we've got a big population of um probably 1600 managers who use our ATS and we consciously thought about how we would select an ATS based on that so that was kind of one of the main uh, things we thought about when selecting an ATS that it was fit for purpose for the frontline the managers who were using it not just our central teams where a lot of ATSs are focused towards um, so we we went through the shortlist process we had a real kind of strict criteria we shortlisted down to around five suppliers and then brought them in and got them to present um so that was kind of how we selected we selected a provider who were who was very suited towards our 
our kind of management population rather than just our recruitment managers. Um, so we got all that, that out of the way, signed all the legals, did all that kind of boring stuff. And then we kind of moved on to kind of uh, actually implementing it into the business. So with such a big portfolio of businesses and different types of recruitment in the business, we couldn't just switch off our old ATS and launch a new one. So it probably took us from start to finish about 18 months going from um, first kind of uh, phase to the last stage. So we did it in a phased approach in, in regards to we launched different parts of the business at different times of the project. That was just to kind of just learn and develop throughout the project uh, rather than just kind of go with a one size fits all. Um, the other thing that we did, which was kind of a big learning for that, was we rather than roll it out to the 1600 businesses, we rolled it out to circa probably about 40, 50 businesses on a trial. Uh, we then ironed out all the bugs and all the issues and got feedback from them. And then that allowed us to then take all those learnings and then scale it up to the 14, 1500 businesses later on. Um, another learning I would say is, there's probably three learnings I'd take from this whole project is um, plan ahead, plan ahead, plan ahead, uh, because there's a lot of moving parts and there's a lot of impacts that you don't consider. Uh, and the other thing which I always say with tech and I've I've taken a massive learning with this on tech is don't always assume it does what you think it should do uh, and what I mean by that is you assume it should have this function that function but not or it doesn't always that's not always the case so always double check triple check and then you won't be you won't have any surprises when you kind of go to launch or when you start the project etc so there are kind of a couple of learnings moving on to workflows planning um you know pres- presumably this was uh, a big part of sort of informing your your future strategy T- tell us a bit about that so uh, without kind of delving into too much detail on this so this came off the back of kind of we knew roughly our kind of external market but we didn't know it as much as we should and we didn't know the hotspots the and all those kind of areas so we worked with kind of the central HR team to look at historical data uh, higher data and also some ATS data that we have uh, to kind of identify trends in regards to how many people were we're hiring in those areas um, and what we looked at was um, our different brands our different geographies and then it then allowed us to roll it all up into kind of one plan to say holistically we could see that there's certain issues in certain areas certain uh, pipelines in other areas and it allowed us to then identify what we should be focusing on Uh, and off the back of that we've been able to kind of identify key brands key areas key job groups which we have to focus on but then also as importantly it also shows us our internal pipeline so if we've got a strong internal pipeline we don't need to worry about the external talent uh, demand and supply as much but um, it just identifies and showcases the what we're doing good and what where we need to kind of improve um 
some of the data didn't really tell us much more than we already knew, but it kind of just validated it. Uh, so we knew certain areas of the business or certain job groups were difficult and the data just kind of backed it up, which then allowed us to kind of speak with data um, to stakeholders, suppliers, rather than just kind of views and opinions, which are always quite difficult. Um, and I think some of the learnings with this is very much around keep it really simple when you're communicating it because there are thousands and thousands of data points but you just want to kind of go to the stakeholders and say this is the so what um, and the other thing which we learned on this journey was very much about taking the stakeholders on that journey so rather than just giving them the data at the end of the project kind of take them on the journey get their input ask them what they'd like to know um, and kind of all that good stuff. And moving on, you, you mentioned your new career site. Career site projects seem to cause um, lots of companies kind of lots of lots of problems. So tell us a little bit about how you sort of went through the process with the with the with the new career site and what's sort of different about it compared to uh, other career sites that might be out there. Yeah, so the careers website has actually got quite an interesting story how we actually came to uh, moving towards uh, to a new a new careers website etc so we we weren't planning on getting a new careers website so we actually started a kind of a work stream within the team to look at candidate experience and we started with the candidate experience audit uh, out of that audit came that actually the the functionality of the website and how our kind of ATS kind of worked with the current website at the time was kind of the biggest bottleneck of candidate experience and branding. So we then um, did a big storytelling piece in regards to with regards to the team on how those two things weren't working as well as they should um, we then got the team on board with actually saying we need to have a look at how we can get that working better uh, so we explored kind of um, what I'd class as um, one size solutions so out the box solutions or actually what can we do with our current website to kind of improve that uh, the decision was kind of then made that we needed to kind of go to a one solution, um, kind of out the box solution. Um, so we went out to various suppliers. We decided to go with Format. Uh, so Format, I actually heard first on this podcast, interestingly. Um, and then I kind of just did a little bit of research, reached out to them and, you know, saw what their product was. Um, going back to the ATS project, I took some of my learnings from that to say, actually, is it as good as they're saying it is? And it, it is, in my opinion. So, um, and that's just a big learning from me, which I take through all my projects now. So around, don't assume it does everything you think it does but double check triple check um so yeah we signed all the contracts did all that kind of good stuff and then we moved on to kind of the implementation so the implementation was first of all around the branding and then the functionality and all the sitemap so um 
the main thing for the new careers website we really wanted to kind of dial up was our diversity of brands, our EVP, and also the functionality. And when I'm talking about functionality, I'm talking about a personalized experience. So when we pitched the idea internally, we kind of took the team through how they um how they do things in the consumer world so how they buy on amazon how they buy how they do their weekly shop etc uh, and that's all personalized and we wanted to kind of get that same same approach in the recruitment process so uh, format solution allows a lot of that so and all the branding so that was a big big piece of what we wanted to do so with the branding on the website we've got 13 very strong brands with very strong uh, branding and colors um, which we didn't want we wanted to showcase all those brands but we didn't want them to conflict so we had to go around the houses a little bit and kind of see different styles different kind of approaches with kind of how we did that and what we have decided to do off the back of that is keep our strong brand colors in, for our individual brands but then keep our um, core body of the website quite neutral but still on our, our kind of core brand colors um so that was a big learning uh, in regards to that uh the other thing that we wanted to do with the website is keep our candidates on the website not going out to an ats page um, a lot of websites that I see have a really nice glossy uh, front end, but then get direct to a Taleo or an ATS page, which kind of just is a real conflict, in my opinion, from a branding and experience point of view. Uh, so we haven't fully finished the careers website project, but we're we're well into phase two where we will be um integrating our whole apply process so the candidate never ever leaves the careers website when they apply uh, and we it keeps them in the kind of ecosystem of the careers website which allows us to serve up a lot more content a lot richer content and just improve the experience fourfold in my opinion um, the main learnings from kind of that part that project is very much around um, don't underestimate the branding, uh, the content creation. So uh, it's great having a website with 50 pages, but you have to create content for 50 pages. So don't underestimate how much content a website needs and also keeping it fresh. So photography, new content, it's a full-time job, just kind of keeping it fresh and alive um, and just making it fit for purpose and uh, i think the, the the other thing you've done which is which is interesting because i think it's something that most employers desperately need to do but but don't seem to do because maybe it just gets pushed to the last thing in the list or it's too, or it's too difficult is you, you've you've kind of really sort of overhauled your your adverts and your advertising T tell us a little bit about that yeah so the adverts uh, came out the same candidate experience audit we we ended up doing with our careers website as well uh the view on this was very much that we didn't want to have a really nice careers website but then really dated really old really not fit for purpose adverts um so 
what we did with this is we reviewed all of our adverts and we have probably about 30 volume roles which we had to review we then also had our ad hoc roles which are your more corporate roles which are all different each and every one so we reviewed it from a tone of voice point of view that actually we wanted to realign it with our kind of EVP uh, and make it really fresh and quite fun to kind of reflect our EVP. Uh, the other thing that we did with the adverts was very much about optimising the structure. So how how long do we want them to be? What do we want to serve first to the candidates? All that, all that kind of stuff. Um, we then also looked at how we could personalise the content in regards to we've got a lot of businesses, a lot of brands. How do we kind of make those variations in the each advert kind of pull through? So that was quite quite a big task as well. Um, and then the, the most important thing, and I might be a little bit biased with this because I'm a bit of a techie, but uh, just kind of optimising it for tech. So SEO, just all those kind of basic things, but also optimising it for your job board. So not many people may know, but uh, job boards have a preview of every job um, and it will only normally display probably around the first two lines or about 150 characters of the job. Uh, everything else you would have to click on that job to see. So those two sentences over 150 characters are the, kind of the most important part of the advert, in my opinion. So um, just having that intro uh, was a real big focus on us because we kind of optimised it just for getting the most important information over to the candidate on all the all the kind of digital kind of forums such as Indies and all kind of the traditional job boards. So that was kind of the the, the nuts and bolts of kind of what we did. Um, some of the learnings on this was very much, it's a very big task and it took a lot of resource to do. Um, again, when I was referring to the content, never underestimate content and kind of rewriting content because it does take a lot of time and a lot of creativity to do. And the the other thing with that is don't try to do it all at once. Uh, we did it in baby steps and that just allowed us to make a few changes, reflect on it and then kind of go again. With the different job templates and different job groups, we have volume roles, which we can write the full adverts for, and they're just a copy and paste job. And then in regards to some of our ad hoc roles, we provided the hiring managers and recruiters templates, which they could build their adverts within our framework, but also add in the information which they wanted to within you know some rules of engagement so some of the rules of engagement were we don't want you know over five bullet points for roles and responsibilities all those kind of things just because we didn't want to kind of steer too far away from the framework which we developed for the volume roles so just a few learnings but a big task but definitely worth it and as you said, Matt, there's not many companies, for whatever reason, focusing on the adverts. They're very job description focused rather than candidate centric and selling the job to the candidate. And in this kind of market, it's a candidate led market. So we need to be thinking about 
how we sell it to the candidate rather than telling them what the job is. So yeah, just some key learnings and, you know, a really, really fun project to do. And I couldn't have done it without kind of some of the guys I worked worked with because it, it was a huge task and yeah, credit to credit to them. Final question, you know, what, what's next? What are you going to be focusing on um, over the sort of next year to 18 months? So the main things we're going to be focusing on kind of over the next 12 months are optimising some of those kind of projects that we've been doing. So the careers website is very new. The adverts are very new. We will kind of let those embed for a few, a few months, but then look to optimise them again to get those marginal gains. Um, the other thing we'll be focusing on is around hiring manager capability and education so they have some really good tools they have all the foundations in place but we want to drive full usage and really get them to utilize and get the full value out of those tools um and again you know in a year things will have changed we need to kind of be at the top of our game so it's just about having the right tools, having the right technology in place, but then also having the hiring managers also reflect uh, the recruitment journey in what they kind of do. James, thank you very much for talking to me. Thank you, Matt. My thanks to James Edwards. You can subscribe to this podcast in Apple Podcasts or via your podcasting app of choice. Please also follow us on Instagram. You can find the show by searching for Recruiting Future. If you're a Spotify or Pandora user, you can also find the show there. You can find all the past episodes at www.recruitingfuture.com. On that site, you can subscribe to the mailing list and find out more about working with me. Thanks very much for listening. I'll be back next week and I hope you'll join me. This is my show.